All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Investment Banking Insights. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you learn both the technical and non-technical aspects of the investment banking process. Hello, my name is Alex Mason and I am your host. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And yeah, I hope you've been learning as much as I have going through this process because there is a lot to learn. But we're getting through it. We're, we're working our way pretty good over here. I mean, we're over 135 episodes in. This is the 135th episode. And I can hardly believe it. This podcast started less than three months ago. Or actually, no, today is the three-month anniversary of the show, actually, as I'm recording this. So yeah, wow, amazing, amazing progress we've made together up to this point. So thanks for joining me on this journey. We're talking about leverage buyouts right now. And today's episode is going to be focused on multiples. Specifically, today's question is this. How do you choose your LBO purchase and exit multiples? Because remember, in a leverage buyout where we're assuming that a firm is going to buy a company, use debt uh, as leverage in the purchase, and then ultimately sell the business for a profit. That's a leverage buyout in a nutshell. So what can we do? Because we want to buy a business at a certain price, and we obviously want to sell it at a higher price. But as far as the multiples go, what can we look at in terms of what's reasonable? Well, first and foremost, primarily, we can look at the comparables in the market in order to inform our choice of purchase and exit multiples. Because the market is really going to tell you what, what it's going to be willing to accept, right? If you go in and let's say you're a, you're a potential acquirer and you're going to buy a business in an LBO and you're looking at a 5x EBITDA multiple. But if the market is demanding 9x EBITDA multiples in your industry for this type of deal, then you're probably not going to get any takers, right? You're probably not going to get anyone who wants to sell at such a low price. So you have to be willing to understand what the market is willing to bear. And that's why we look at comparable companies and precedent transactions in order to see, okay, this firm acquired this type of firm at this multiple on average, and these firms sold these other types of companies at these multiples on average. And you can kind of gauge where those things are at. So that's kind of the big way you can choose your purchase and exit multiples. Additionally, you can do something else too. You can look at what kind of return you're targeting in the LBO and then see what combination of multiples you'll need when you enter the deal and when you exit the deal in order to make that return happen. So this method here, this is like the reverse engineering method, right? And here's an example for you. Let's say that a company is bought at a 5x EBITDA multiple and then sold at a 7x EBITDA multiple after five years, okay? So coming in, buying it at 5x, five years pass, selling it at 7x. Let's also make an assumption that there's no change in the EBITDA over this period. The business literally just stayed exactly the same in terms of its earnings power. So what would that yield us as an investor? Well, if you do the math on that, that yields about a 7% annualized rate of return. And that's using the compound um, 
growth formula if, if you're curious about how I calculated that, which is not really bad. You know, 7% annually, like, okay, that's that's fine. That's good. I mean, your money grew, but that's definitely below what you would want to see from a private equity firm. You want to see clear double-digit returns typically with a PE firm. So let's repeat this scenario and kind of back calculate this. Let's say that you're still buying at five times EBITDA and selling at seven times EBITDA, but let's say that the underlying earnings of the business doubled over the five-year period. Let's say EBITDA doubles. So in this scenario, what's the annualized return? Well, it turns out if you do the calculations, the answer is just under 23% annual returns. And so, yeah, now we're talking. This is what I would consider a very good return. And how are you getting this? You're getting this through multiple expansion, right? You bought at a 5x multiple and sold at a 7x multiple. And you have the underlying growth of the earnings of the business itself. So you have expanding earnings. And so those two components coupled together is what generates these outsized returns. And so you can see how we can play with these different variables, entry, multiple, exit, multiple, as well as the earnings growth in order to see what kind of return is going to work for us. So you can use this method to calculate what's known as the floor value of the company. That is the minimum that an acquirer would pay. And it's kind of interesting that the term is called floor value because it's really like the maximum a private equity firm would pay. But here's the reason it's called floor value. We say floor value because strategic buyers, for example, regular companies, not private equity firms, will usually pay more for a business than a private equity firm. So in the entire universe of buyers for a particular company, the LBO model, that is the model for private equity purchases typically, will produce this floor value or this low value of the firm. Because, hey, a private equity firm is in the business of doing deals. If they can get a company on the low for cheap, then they're going to do that all day long because they can realize that value quickly and make their profit and move on to the next deal. Whereas strategic acquirers, maybe they want to hold this business for a long time, really integrate it into their existing business. It might be more of a strategic choice for them, so they may be willing to pay more. So that's why this LBO model produces the floor value. Okay, now real back, real quickly, back to the discussion of multiples. We have this purchase multiple and this exit multiple. And just to reiterate, you can choose them all you want as far as targeting a certain rate of return. But remember my first point, you have to look at what the market is going to accept. So that's why looking at comparable companies and precedent transactions makes sense as your first option here in determining your purchase and exit multiples. All right, so that's what I got for you today here on Investment Banking Insights. My name is Alex Mason. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really grateful. And shout out to all of you who are just starting their semesters, getting going with the fall whether you're an undergrad or an MBA program or other master's program, you know, good luck out there. Good luck out there. I'll be here with you through the fall recording as, as I begin school myself. And we're going to keep this thing going, continue talking about LBOs, continue talking about other subjects. So I'll see you next time. Take care.